Welcome to Profiles and in Leadership Interview Series, sponsored by VGM Advantage. I'm Steve Anderson, your host, and today our guest is Michael Brochu. Michael Brochu is a seasoned technology executive who has over 20 years of senior level experience at a variety of global companies. Most recently, he was the president and CEO of Global Market Insight, developer of technology platforms serving the market research industry. The company was acquired by WPP. Prior to that, he served as the president and CEO of LoudEye Distribution Services, which, which Nokia acquired in 2006. Before LoudEye, Mike was president and CEO of Primus Knowledge Solutions, Inc., an award-winning provider of e-service software solutions. In 1999, Brochu took Primus public and facilitated the acquisition of the company by Art Technology Group in 2004. Brochu was also executive chairman of On Health Networks from 1997 until it was sold to WebMD in 2000. Previously, Brochu served as the president and COO of Sierra Online Inc., one of the world's largest publishers of interactive entertainment, educational, and home productivity software. There, he spearheaded efforts that increased sales by more than 300%, cumulating with the sale of Sierra Online to CUC International for $1.1 billion in 1996. Mike currently sits on the board of directors of Central Digital Media, Hot2 Inc., Zotec Partners, and the advisory board of the Seattle-based venture capital firm, Voyager Capital, which was also one of GMI's early institutional investors. Mike was also named Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year in 2000. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Steve. Thanks now, a <laughs> that's a lot to say, but it's, it's an impressive resume. So yeah. now you're, you're a Texas boy, right? So I am. Tell us where you grew up and the humble beginnings, where you came from. So I grew up in West Texas, El Paso, Texas. Uh, I'm one of seven children. Uh, my mother still lives in the 1,500 square foot home that I grew up in. I learned uh, to get by with one bathroom and a bunch of siblings plus my parents. And so uh, my, my father, who was a very loving man, uh, was also obviously a very disciplined man. And the most you got, especially having sisters, was maybe five minutes in the bathroom. Yeah. So I can get ready pretty fast. <laughs> That's great. So how does someone who grew up in a small town like El Paso uh, become the CEO of these very influential companies? Well, I, you know, my dad came from very humble beginnings, and we didn't have a lot. But the one thing that he did have was his own style of leadership, if you will, which mm -hmm. is what these series are all about. Uh, he taught us to go after the best, always strive to do the best we could show up, do it right, do it right the first time, be on time. A lot of things in there that got all of us children, all of us were uh, went to college. My parents did not attend college, mm -hmm. but we all went to college however we got through there. Mm -hmm. And it was through that process of growing up and, and mm -hmm. just wanting more, I decided I was, I was gonna be somebody. Yeah, that's great. Now you lost your father much earlier than, than you'd hoped to, so he, right. he passed away some time ago. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it sounds like you were brought in to take care of these companies that, that kind of hit the skids, you might say, or maybe uh, you know, weren't growing quite as, as much as they should, and then it was your job to come in and turn them around. So explain to us a little bit what the goal was to bring you on board and, and what you saw your mission was in those companies. What I, what I love to tell people is that I really never invented anything. 
uh, often, you know, somehow I decided that uh, after growing up in a large company the first few years of my career, I said, I know how to do this. I think I can do this on my own. And I was given an opportunity uh, to run a company and take over for a founder who had, as you had mentioned, sort of hit the wall. Mm -hmm. And this happens a lot. Uh, yeah. You see it a lot where a founder, great idea, product, service, they bring it to market, wonderful, but then the company grows, expands, and their lack of sometimes business skills or ability to really take it to the next step, next step becomes apparent. Yeah. Uh, usually these guys have gone out and sought other investors, so investors saying, look, we'd like to see a, a return here. Uh, so with my background, I would get called upon and say, hey, look, can you come in and advance the ball? Move it, you know, take it public, get it sold, one way or another, improve because company. often those investors see that that's probably not the right person, as in the founder, to take it to the next level. So they want to hire somebody who can do that. Correct. Yeah. Now, often I would argue they wait maybe a little bit too long in hopes that they can write the ship. But right. uh, yeah, my job was basically come in and say, "Look, we're here. We need to be here. Can you get us there?" And I'd, say, I'd take a look at it and say, "Sure." So when you went into these companies. What do you think, and I'm, I'm being general here because I'm sure each one's unique in its own way, right. but what do you see is what are the kind of common hurdles that people hit that they can't get over? Or what, what, what are things that, that you did kind of consistently when you came in to take these companies that had hit the wall and then you grew them to where they could uh, uh, be worth more value? There's, there's, there's many things, okay. and I'm going to argue that a lot of them were very common with, with all of the companies. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, founders often start off by themselves. They started in a garage. There's three of them. Uh, they do everything. Mm -hmm. They get used to doing everything. But as a company grows, that's physically just impossible. You start hiring people. Often people hire their friends. Uh, so when I get in there, I find there's often a lack of skill level. Mm -hmm. uh, there's very often a lack of leadership. Uh, because what happens is the founder is used to doing everything, continues to do everything. Yeah. Well, that becomes almost impossible, and it certainly becomes inefficient. And, and so what you see is a whole lot of people that are really being asked to do things that are maybe above their ability or maybe beyond their scope. And so getting either those people in the right positions or getting new people in the right positions mm -hmm. is one of the keys to helping that company mm -hmm. grow and, and, and continue to prosper. So if we look at the Jim Collins bus theory, um, you got to have the right people on the bus, and then if they're the right people on the bus, they got to be in the right seats. Right. Were you getting people off the bus, or were you getting them in the right seats, or a combination of both? It's a com it's definitely a combination of both. Okay. Uh, you know, one of, one of the first things I would do when I entered a a, a company uh, was understand first of all the business model. What is it that we make, and for who? And, and then once I did that, then I understand how every individual in that company, or almost every individual. What do you do to help make that happen? You know, what is your role? What is your position, if you will? What is your seat? And, and through that process, you found people that are great and they're doing as good a job as possible. You found people that uh, maybe with a little training could be great. Mm -hmm. And then you found people that were in the it's wrong seat. It's kind of the fluff. Yeah, yeah, they're in the wrong seat. And you go, hey, you know. And, and very often it, it's now coming in and not being the founder, I had a non emotional. Uh, platform from which to work. This wasn't my brother, it wasn't my sister-in-law, it wasn't friends and right. family. I could go in and say, okay, this is a job that needs to be done. This is a job that doesn't need to be done. 
mm -hmm. and, and uh, is ferreting through all of that process where you get the right mix of people. And even with that, it continues to evolve. As you grow the company, you, you get better and better. It's no different. I, I use NFL football analogies all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you get a good quarterback in place, and then he's getting killed, so now you need a good line, and now that's working. You got a good offense, now you need a good defense, and you slowly over time build your yeah. Super Bowl team always with the goal in mind. So how do you do it in a sense of, of, of building or maintaining or even growing the culture without getting people like, oh gosh, here comes the, the new guy and he's gonna make all these changes and, and I'm sure there's a lot of fear factor there. And there then is. you have to make some hard there choices. Is. So how do, you, how do you build the culture? Oh, that's, you know, that's a, a multi-day discussion but, <laughs> and it takes a lot of time. But, but you have to begin right away by building first the kind of culture, and you use the word the culture that you want. Right. People wanna win and people mm -hmm. wanna feel valued and people wanna feel like they contribute, whatever role that is, right? Mm -hmm. And so you immediately have to start figuring out who can contribute, what does winning mean, and then make sure that people understand. If people understand why they're doing something, then it makes them a lot better at what they do. So I would go around and say, what is it that you do? Mm -hmm. And why is that, how is that helping me? Because here's what we're trying to do as a company. And you know, nine times out of 10, they could explain what they do and why, and that'd be great. Occasionally they get somebody that doesn't. Mm -hmm. My favorite story there is I, yeah, I came into one department, it was payroll. And I went to the head and it was, it was a young lady and I said, so what do you do? She says, Mr. Brochu, she says, I run payroll. You know what that means? I make sure you get paid. I went, good job, you keep it up. <laughs> you know, yeah. We're good. She, she, you know, knew, she understood she, her mission. She, she yeah. understood her mission yeah. and how it affected. She said, mm -hmm. I make sure people get paid in this organization so then they're not worried about that aspect of it. Yeah. And they can do their jobs. So she understood her, her role. Mm -hmm. And if people understand their role and then how it fits, now part of that, and, and to get the fear factor out, is that you have to establish, guys, here's what we're trying to do. You know, yeah. we're trying to win the Super Bowl, or we're trying to win the game, or we're just trying to score. You gotta give them that you know? vision. You've you gotta, gotta give them that vision, vision and say, yeah. okay, so how are you helping me do this, right? Yeah. And if somebody says, well, I, I take this stack of papers and I move it from here to here, and you go, why, and they go, I don't know, because it's, it's my job. Well, you've got a problem, Yeah. right? But I love the way that you said that you came in and asked them and got their opinion before you, you know, because I, I guess the, uh, the, the bias would be, oh, he's just gonna come in and say, I know exactly what to do and do, 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 do. And it doesn't right. sound like you did that. You went Not in, you asked people, yeah. got their input, showed them that you cared and that you uh, were interested in their, in their um, uh, uh, position, so to speak. Absolutely. And you heard them, and then you made the changes. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. So, what do you think the biggest mistake that companies make when they kind of hit that growth skid? Um, what, 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 when do they stop growing? They, they try, often, I think, to stretch people. They become emotionally attached. Particularly, it's about people. Mm -hmm. They become emotionally attached to people and they often try to stretch people too much. Yeah. And, you know, as much as you love somebody and, oh, she's been with us, you know, she was our third employee, mm -hmm. okay? And she came in as a secretary, mm -hmm. and now she's vice president of marketing. Mm -hmm. Maybe, and maybe she's built that skill set and evolved. More often than not, she hasn't, yeah. and she was a darn good secretary, you know, a darn good admin, mm -hmm. but, you know, often you say, all right, I've right. got people doing things. 
maybe I promoted for maybe, the wrong reasons. Maybe promoted outside yeah. of their abilities, yeah. right? You, and you sometimes see you lot. see, a lot of times you see companies as they, they evolve and grow, um, uh, sometimes people kind of hit their limits. They, they can't go beyond that they with their the companies. Yeah. Yeah, so. The second big, biggest mistake I've seen is that people don't know why. Yeah. Why are we doing this, right? I, I think the number one thing you can do to help people really perform for you is have them understand why. This mm -hmm. is why what you do, whatever it is, whether you're mm -hmm. in the depths of the accounting organization or in human resources, you're out in the field selling, mm -hmm. you know, some jobs are obvious, but some jobs it's going, yeah. you know, people get, they don't understand mm -hmm. the why and they can either get complacent or they start losing their skill set. Right. They just they do it as good so as they can. So even down to the to the lowest level, they lowest need to level. understand the they why. They need to understand why and how they're important to the organization. Yeah. And if they don't know why they're important to the organization, then how am I going to know why they're important to the organization? And and then we've got a bad equation here. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah something's got to happen. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. How would you describe your leadership style? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I've already touched on it a little bit. You know, I believe you hire the best piece of people possible. Yeah. Uh, I believe that you have to set in front of them what the goals are. Mm -hmm. You know, are we going to score touchdowns? Or are we going to win the Super Bowl? What is the goal? I think those goals have to be reasonable goals, mm -hmm. reachable goals. Mm -hmm. And then I believe you let people do it. My most personal, famous example of that is my style wasn't always one of that. It was just you know, make mm -hmm. it happen. But one day I was in an organization and I was, you know, wanting, I had to prove a point to a higher up. So I, one of the people working for me, I said, hey, look, I said, I need you to build me a spreadsheet. These are my, these are the columns I want. These are the rows I want. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me, he said, why don't you just tell me what you're trying to prove? And I sort of, okay, mm -hmm. well, here's what I'm trying to prove, whatever mm -hmm. I want. I need to prove that this, this is what yeah. happens. He says, I'll build a spreadsheet. He, he came back with a far more eloquent solution yeah. than I was coming up with. And I, I said, all right, just let people know what it is you want and let them use their skill set and say, okay, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Help me. Yeah. And, and you know, mm -hmm. these people are educated, you know, they're good at what they do and they go, yeah, okay, I know how to make that work. Yeah. and then help guide them along the way, obviously. So, so I'd say my style is, is, is more of mm. best people possible, get people smarter than you. If you're mm -hmm. the smartest guy in the room, you're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and, and let them run. Yeah. Just let them run. That's awesome, because I, I, I know that's easy to say that and talk. Right. I actually ran into one of your senior level executives not that long ago, but he confirmed just what you said, which okay. is Mike is very good at hiring great people, Mm -hmm. Then letting them do their jobs and not micromanaging them, giving right. them what the goal is, as you just stated, and let them do their jobs. And Absolutely. That, that, that Absolutely. really works. Yeah, the only other key to that is there will be a time when there's conflict. Yeah. And you've got to be able to make the call. Right. I can make the call. You can make the call. That's no question. Yeah. No question. So it's, it's hard to build a team with those. It's not hard to build a team with those you know and trust. So when you come into a company, again, we use the football coach analogy. Mm -hmm. Isn't it kind of, you know, well, I'm going to bring in all my, all my own people and put them in these high-level executive positions and then we'll do it. But I would assume you probably can't do that right. uh, 100%. Right. So, so how did you maneuver that landmine? Well, you, you, one, know that you do have that flexibility, typically from at the board level. I said, all right, right, you know, one of the things that I just 
virtually know without knowing a lot yeah. of people is that we will have to swap out some folks and bring in some right. bring in some people so you, you do have that capability but but you don't just do it arbitrarily you want to make sure you go in you you understand like one of the best mentors I ever had said look the first thing you have to do is really understand your business model understand yeah. what it is you make right. who you make it for how much it costs to make and how much you can sell it for so because if, if if one doesn't equal the other then you don't have a business once you know all of that then say okay now who's contributing to that and how yeah. how important and it, it's actually not that hard uh, at some level you, you can almost put them in three groups you can say all right keeper this person knows I mean he's my head of this or that or mm -hmm baldness knows what they're doing perfect this person I need for a while but probably is not going to grow with the job right certainly not you know someone uh, that needs to leave the organization and then you you, you are always able and, and people know even the people yeah, in the organization yeah. you know Joe over there yeah I mean we've had him a long time but I'm not even sure what he does yeah, yeah. you know and, and, and it's if, if you go around and you you work with and, and, and you talk to and and you know there is a lot of that management by right. walking around just find out what people do and why they do it and uh, you, you can discern you know reasonably quickly you know you know who falls into those what right. buckets right. Yeah. so how do you describe success when it comes to business <laughs> well I'm a business guy right right and I, I, I even I, I do some guest lecturing for a couple of universities mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I always start with the same basic. I say, guys, a business means mm -hmm. that whatever it is you make costs less to make than what you can sell it for. Mm -hmm. If it's the other way around, it's a hobby. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it starts there. Yeah. You know, uh, people invest in a business because they expect a return, uh, and not that it's all about money. But a business means I sell a product to a group or a service, product or service, whatever, whatever you want to use, uh, for more money than it costs me to make it. Right. That to me defines a business. Right. At some point down the road, we're going to make money for somebody. If I'm a sole founder and it's all mine, then it's all for me. If it's I've got 10,000, 10 million investors because I'm a public company, then it's yeah. all for them. But that's basically how I define a business. So you are a self-proclaimed cowboy from Texas. <laughs> so how does that frame of reference transfer to your savvy CEO, being a savvy CEO in the, in the business world? You know, I, I think that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a Texas boy and, and my heart and roots are there, of course, and you know, most of my family lives there. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's a couple of, of, you know, maybe stereotypical, but general attributes. Uh, rough and tough, mm -hmm. uh, friendly, chivalrous. We know how to treat people right. Mm -hmm. we, still we still say yes sir, yes ma'am. <laughs> uh, we take risks. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> I rode bulls for a whole season and uh, <laughs> while I was in college. That's real risky. Yeah, that was pretty risky. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily really smart, but, but mm -hmm. really risky. Uh, I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a culture and attitude. You know, Texas was at one time, you know, an independent, uh, state country territory, if you will yeah, territory yeah. and so mm -hmm. there's a sense of independence uh, so you're I'm not just gonna roll over uh, and just because you say it real loud or real fast doesn't necessarily make it true yeah and so I've got a certain amount of healthy skepticism and I think all those things start start to add up uh, and you know and I think at the end of the day we know how to treat people and I mean that in a nice way yeah. and so uh, you know, you're going to get 
get a lot further along that way. Yeah. You are now on several boards of companies, and what is it that they uh, expect from you uh, being in that position? So I'm, you know, they're going to hire you to be on their board, and so what, what do they want from you? So, so typically, as you laid out in the introduction, I ran a number of different companies. So one could argue mm -hmm. that I am not a domain expert. And it's the same with these boards. I'm not the domain expert, uh, but what I am is the business guy, the operational guy, mm -hmm. the guy that they can seek to and say, okay, so how do we do this better? So most typically it's that. Also, the, the other underlying theme for all these companies that I've been involved with has been technology. Mm -hmm. So we've got a business technology guy, and that's often the role they're seeking from me to play when I'm on these boards, mm -hmm. regardless, you know, one of these, companies in Indianapolis is in the healthcare uh, revenue billing sp space, another one's in the uh, digital media space. So, you know, there, neither is a space that I've been into necessarily myself as a CEO, but, right. you know, I can learn enough. Mm -hmm. Most businesses, as much as people esoterically like to say how complicated businesses mm -hmm. are, they're not, right? It's, yeah. it's, what do you make? Who do you sell it to? How much can you get for it? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that that's, most typically my role. Yeah, that's great. So uh, if, if we can uh, agree or assume that uh, uh, we learn more from our mistakes than our uh, successes, uh, what's the biggest mistake you made that you learned a lot from? There's been, unfortunately, and I wish I could learn from the first time, but uh, there's been a number of mistakes where I've held on to someone mm -hmm. too long. Yeah. Too long. Uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, probably the, uh, the toughest one and, and because it's, I'm human like the next guy and, and as hard and cold as I like to think I am under, you know, under this rough, cruel exterior as a sensitive <laughs> little guy. And, uh, you know, there have been times where I've, you know, I've held on to, to personnel that, I, that, you know, because I like them or I'm going to give them one more chance or I'm going to give them a bigger chance than normal and it just hasn't worked out and you, and you, you go, Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes it, it, it makes it tough. It makes it even harder the longer it, it goes on. The longer it goes, it does make yeah. it tougher. Yeah. yeah. It makes yeah. it a lot tougher. And it has an impact. It has an impact on a lot of other people. What you ultimately have to realize is, is that it affects a whole lot of other people too. And they know it. And maybe you don't know it or you ignore it. You say, okay, I'm going to keep this guy or this gal around. And, and then when you finally go, everybody goes, finally. Yeah, yeah, you know, like a dummy, okay. what, what took yeah. you so long type yeah. of thing, yeah. yeah. So let's get into some fun stuff. Now, I know okay. that you and your wife are winemakers now. Oh my gosh. So uh, what interests uh, you about that and how do you, uh, how do you have a wine business that, that you enjoy, as you said, as a hobby, but you don't go bankrupt at the same time? Right. Uh, we got into it clearly as a hobby. Mm -hmm. uh, it was clearly juxtaposed to anything that we'd ever done. Uh, it's a little bit my Texas, you know, it's kind of farming, uh, not really ranching, but it's farming. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I mean, try going to a party of your more sophisticated friends and telling me you just bought raw land in Argentina to plant grapes because you're going to make wine. They look at you kind of funny and go, yeah. let me know how that works out for exactly. you. Exactly. But it's actually worked yeah. out well. Yeah. I mean, and it goes to show that a lot of luck, uh, you know, we got into Malbacs before they were popular and now we make a nice Malbac wine. Uh, when we realized that we could make far more wine, and this was our naivete, mm -hmm. but we could make far more wine than we could drink, we go, ooh, well, what, what if we try to start selling it? Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we did from the get-go 
and it, and it relates very much to this entire conversation. From the very start, we said, look, we are going to make the best wine possible. Mm -hmm. Much to everybody's sugar. They said, well, you, you'll never sell it because yeah. you, you'd have to charge too much. Uh, plus, people don't really people care. Don't they, they don't, don't want, want that. that. They're fine buying a $10 bottle of wine in the grocery yeah. store and that kind of thing. We go, well, okay, I don't care. We're going to make the best wine possible. And that's been our mantra. It's turned out really nice. It's gotten some nice ratings and, and all of that. So uh, the biggest thing about it is it's become so much fun. We get so many texts and emails and those types of things from people that, that are celebrating a, an anniversary or a graduation mm -hmm. or a birthday mm -hmm. or something. And they've got a bottle of our wine, and they're proud to show it. And and that makes and that this makes us feel good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I also know you to be an avid cyclist, skier, golfer. So how do you keep those competitive juices flowing throughout your retirement years? So uh, you know, to me, it is about balance. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to think, as a general rule, today, you, know, my wife and I, we, you know, we work about a third, we play a third, and we take that very seriously how we play, mm -hmm. and we. Uh, and we try to give back to the community about a third. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not an exact science, but that's kind of the, the way we like to work it. Uh, and it's because of those things um, that it still allows me to uh, keep my competitive juices. I still yeah. race a little on my bicycle. My wife yeah. and I both ski race a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we do some things to, to make it competitive. Yeah. Uh, we play a little competitive golf, you know, whether it's just my brothers and we got our own little tournament going mm -hmm. and things like that. But we, we certainly challenge ourselves in our... In our so even in retirement years, you're still taking a few risks out we, there. I, I don't know. <laughs> yes, uh, we are. And, and I don't know how I had time to work. I mean, yeah. we were so busy in our you know, so-called retirement years, it's yeah. just, it's been unbelievable. I think it's, I think it's real interesting though, how you, you, you thought it out in the, in the third, uh, as you described it in thirds, because I don't mm. think a lot of people do that. I think they just hit it and kind of let it all evolve right. and then you can definitely be out of balance or you can end up doing nothing, which uh, some people don't do well with either. So. Well, you're exactly right. When yeah. I first, first decided that, that I didn't want to work mm -hmm. full time anymore. You know, we don't. We almost don't use retirement anymore. So okay, I don't want to work full time anymore. Right. Uh, I was asked and recruited to join a few boards, which I was complimented in doing, and I do that. Yeah. Uh, but I could see where that was going to get out of line mm -hmm. very quickly. And I yeah. go, okay, I could spend my life, uh, you know, because I'm as dedicated as the next guy, and I want to make sure that you know I give my right. attention to whatever effort that I'm I'm being asked uh, to engage in, and so. All of a sudden, I was up to a number of boards. I'm going, okay, you know, this is starting to yeah. There's travel work in, involved. Yeah, there's, and yeah, there's, there's travel. I mean, stuff, you got quarterly yeah. meetings, you got phone calls, and you got a lot of other study and whatnot. You want to stay on top of the the activity. So, yeah. uh, you know, I I said, all right, I need to sit back and reflect on this and decide. All right, how much is enough of each of these? Because we do want to, you know, we obviously want to play, and we did want to give back more than just writing a check. We wanted to give back to the community. So we. You know, we, we wanted to make sure we could afford some time and, and, and do those things as well. And it's, it's uh, like I said, it's, it's not an exact science. It's not a mm -hmm. spreadsheet, but it's a general, yeah. you know, general philosophy. Yeah, mind. that's so, impressive. Okay. So we like to kind of end these interviews with what we call a pearl of wisdom okay. uh, relating to leadership. So okay. if you were going to give us a pearl of wisdom in relation to leadership, um, what would you say? I, I believe that it, leadership it's not dictatorship, it's leadership. And leadership is getting people to do what you want them to do 
themselves. Mm -hmm. And for them to do that, I think it requires two things. Yeah. It requires a goal, call it a vision, a goal. You know, again, use the NFL, we want to win the Super Bowl, or mm -hmm. we just want to score a touchdown, whatever it is. Uh, and it's important that the individual that you want to lead not only understands that goal, but understands their role and how they can help in accomplishing that goal. Yeah. If I know what I'm doing, I will follow. I, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if I know why, if mm -hmm. I know, and most people, if they know why, why it's important. Why is it important that I solve this payroll issue? Why is it important? Whatever it is, whatever their lot in life is, if I know why, and I know what the bigger picture is, and if I know that when I get the why, it's contributing to that bigger picture, I'm a part, I'll play. And most people will. Yeah. And, and it makes it easier. You know, it, it's interesting because it brings up the question that's been debated a lot in business. Um, you know, can you motivate people? In other words, do you see yourself as motivating people to do something wonderful, or do you think people need to motivate themselves, they just need to know where to go with it? And so I think what I hear you saying is, is that you know you need the people that can motivate themselves, you just need to get them on the right track and get them going. They just need to understand. If they yeah. understand, sure, yeah. And, and everybody's different. <clears throat> you know, I, I got one little vignette. I, I, one time I, I had the most wonderful admin early in my career. She was awesome. She was so awesome, she was promotable, and she was very intelligent. Mm -hmm. So I promoted her, without asking her, I promoted her to a new job. She came into my office crying. Mm -hmm. She didn't want that new job. She was very happy doing exactly what she was doing. She says, I want to do exactly what I'm doing. I'm doing exactly, and I want to contribute that way. Yeah. So I, was kind of, I missed a piece there. It's a good lesson. That I learned. It was a great lesson, yeah. right? You so, didn't okay. listen to what she wanted, you just assumed right. she would want that. Right, so, yeah. so it's being able to translate your goal mm -hmm. into what that person wants, what they're capable of, and how they can bring value to the whole system. Yeah, so. yeah great. Yeah. Well, Mike, this has been a, a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, you've had an amazing career. It's, it's, it's awesome. And yeah. so uh, I just want to thank everyone for uh, uh, viewing uh, Profiles in Leadership interview series today. And uh, thank you to VGM Advantage for sponsoring this. And if you want to check out all of our uh, uh, podcasts and video interviews, go to vgmadvantage.com and check it out. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. It's been an honor.